All right, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. So, so I got to tell you, you know, um, you know, read when you read this week's portions. You know, they're not the most fun. <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, when when I have to uh, when I have to teach. Uh, the portions, uh, although there's plenty to learn from these, are not as much, not as much fun as others are. You know what I mean? And this is one of those. You know, I think about uh, the portion from that we read from Torah, from the Book of Numbers, when Moses uh, hits the rock and is denied entry into the land. The second portion was about Jephthah. And we didn't read all of the portion of Jephthah, but Jephthah makes a, a promise to God that who, if he has victory, whoever comes out of his house after the victory, he will sacrifice to the Lord. And guess what? His, his own daughter comes out to greet him, and so you know we're left with the idea that she was sacrificed. And then thirdly, we saw the portion about Ananias and Sapphira withholding uh, donated money money they dedicated to the Lord, they decided to hold it back, and they wind up uh, dead. Whew. That's depressing. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's go have something to eat. <laughs> but I want us to think about something. I want us to think about uh, that the name of my message was, um, was Unintended Consequences. I just put this little sign up there. And I want us to think about how, you know, every action that we have has uh, consequences to it. Those consequences can be for good or they can be for bad. And here's the thing that I've noticed about decision-making over the, over the years that I've been involved in, in my own decision-making and in decision-making of others and as a leader of our movement that we've had to make decisions about a lot of things, that there are in all kinds of consequences, even to the best of our, to things which are of the best of our intentions. And it is the rare person that I've met in my life who considers the downside of their, of their decision making. In other words, we get so wrapped up in what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, that we don't measure the other side of the coin. We don't bother. And as a result of that, so many of us wind up in a ditch when it's all said and done. That the, the, the minuses very often will outweigh the pluses of that which we wound up doing. And we see that in these three incidents that occur in the readings that we looked at today. And God only knows that we're seeing it day by day by day, and even in our own country. I'm not very political, but I may have something political to say today. But let's just begin by talking about the first case. So in the first case, it tells us that, so Moses took the rod from, Paul described the story for us very well. Miriam had just died. Now, interestingly enough, if you know something about Jewish tradition, one of the things that Miriam, 
is given credit for during the time that she was with the children of Israel in the desert is she was somehow the provision of water for the children of Israel. Spring up, O well. You know, there's a story about uh, a well which followed the children of Israel around in the desert. And wherever they went, this well would set up and that well would spring forth water. And this is how, how Israel was uh, kept with water throughout their 40 years of wandering in the desert. But it was by virtue of the merit of Miriam that this water existed. And she died. And when Miriam died, the water dried up. So here are the children of Israel screaming for water in the midst of the desert. And as Paul did describe for us, I'm sure it wasn't very pleasant for, for Moses at the loss of his beloved sister. And you know what? After 40 years of somebody yakking in your ear, you get a little tired, don't you? It can be a little tiresome to have people constantly shouting in your ear, complaining, fetching, moaning, and groaning. Who wants to hear that? Particularly when you don't feel well. And so it says, Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before them, and he said to them, Now listen, you rebels. I've had enough of you. If I had a submachine gun, boom! It's in between. It's in parentheses. You know what I mean? Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand, struck the rock twice with his rod, Water came forth abundantly, and the congregation the beast drank. Yeah, so he got the water from the rock. He did get the water out of the rock. And I'm sure Moses was just venting his 40 years of frustration with these people. But, hey, you know, when we make decisions out of our anger, or out of our rashness, or out of impulse. Remember that there will be unintended consequences. No decision should be made, no decision of real import, should be made when we're in that kind of a state. And let me submit to you that for the last, let's see, what's it been? Since, two, since 9-11, this country has acted on its emotions and not on anything logical. There has not been a logical move made by this nation since that very day, let me say it. Everything that has ever had, has happened financially, socially, economically, certainly militarily, has been a reaction. When we react out of anger, when we react out of frustration, when we react emotionally like that. You better believe that there will be unintended consequences. And we have lived with the unintended consequences of that day for, that, for this long. And we, what we need to do as a nation is to do what Moses should have done on that moment. In the midst of his anger, he should have fallen to his knees and prayed. That's what he should have done. He should have fallen right on his face and said, Lord, I'm too angry to deal with this. You better deal with this right now. 
but he did not. And here we and here the people of Israel had to live with the unintended consequences of it, most especially Moses. But I submit to you that all the people of Israel suffered because Moses could not go into the land. Okay? Hey, after all, it says water came forth abundantly. It happened. And the, con- and the congregation, their beast, they drank. No problem. I guess we solved the problem. But did we? For Moses, it was the end. And you notice something? If you, if you follow the book of Numbers, the narrative of the book of Numbers, here's what happens. Everybody dies after that. Shortly thereafter, in the very next chapter, Aaron dies. Shortly thereafter, we now, now Moses isn't going to go into the land. He's not getting there. Aaron dies. There's a plague that comes on the country. And after that, a new census. As if the old people are out and the new people are in. That's the sequence of events in the book of Numbers. So from this moment on, you know, everybody moving through the desert, everything's going along. Okay, fine, you've got to wander around. But now, Miriam, Aaron, Moses, the whole generation, gone. A new generation arises. Because maybe only a new generation can make right what went wrong in the last. That's what happened there. There are unintended consequences to our actions when we don't think them through thoroughly with God. So now we come to the second one, right? This, is, this, this story, this, I, if, I wish I was a psychoanalyst, because if I was a psychoanalyst, I would make a fortune on the story of Jephthah. So Jephthah is this guy who, if you read the whole story of Jephthah in, from the book of Judges, you find out that he is one, has many other brothers, but they're only half-brothers. Okay? So he's in a family where his mother uh, had an affair with somebody. Uh, he was born out of that, but then his other brothers who are born legitimately, they don't like him. And so they cast him out. They make him an outcast. Well, he happens to be a pretty tough guy. And so he goes out into the wilderness and makes a gang for himself, which ultimately becomes a little, you know, militia. So whenever they need a tough guy, you know, the people of Israel want to come to the tough guy so he can help them uh, with their troubles. And that's what happens in this episode. So Jephthah is asked to take care of one of the tribes. I don't remember precisely which one. And he, agree, you know, he says, okay, you want me to do this? I'll do this for you. But Jephthah is a man who lives, in my opinion, with an inferiority complex. He's always trying to prove himself. Everywhere he goes, he's got to show everybody else that he's the man. Because he has been so shunned by his own family and by the people of Israel. He's an outcast. Unless, he's an outcast unless they need him. So he's always trying to prove his worth. Listen, God has every hair on our head numbered. 
we are of extreme value to him. But, but, but Jephthah does not know this. Right? So they give him a job to take care of the sons of Ammon. And it says in that second portion, Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, if you'll indeed give me the sons of Ammon into my hand. He's, talking, he's praying out to God, crying out to God. Now, I want, before I do this, let me stop. Look at the first paragraph. In 11.29, it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, so that he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, then he passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah uh, of Gilead he went on to the sons of Ammon. The Spirit of God was on him, despite the rejection of everybody else in his life. The Spirit of God was on Jephthah. He didn't need anybody's help. He didn't need to do anything else but to fulfill the job. And it says, well, in verse uh, uh, 30, it says, And then Jephthah made a vow to the Lord, and he said, If you will indeed give the sons of Ammon into my hand, then it shall be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in, in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be at the Lord's. I'll offer it up. Where does it say that God asked him to make an offering? But no. You see, in, when he acts out of his insecurity, he makes a bad decision. This is an emotion. In the first case, it's emotion. Anger. There's no anger here. He's acting out of his insecurity. When we act out of our insecurity, we are going to make a bad decision. And that's exactly what happened to him. Feeling so insecure, he says, I better, I, I better seal this deal with God. The Spirit of the Lord is already on him. He doesn't have to seal anything. God sealed him. So he said, no, I'm going to make this crazy vow. Sure enough, when he comes home, the first thing that greets him out of the door is his own daughter, his only child. Let me tell you the good part about it from a rabbinic point of view. Her death is not recorded in there. <laughs> so the rabbis speculated it didn't really ha- it didn't happen. I'm going to go with that. Because I would hate to think that God would have allowed that. The lesson, nevertheless, is there. Because Jephthah cannot enjoy the victory because of the consequences of his action. God had already delivered them into his hands. See, I think about our nation that way, you know. It's a great nation. It's done great and terrible things. But when we act out of our insecurity, we make stupid mistakes. We kill lots of people. We destroy our own integrity, which is the worst part of it all. We make ourselves into criminals. That I cannot stand. We've got to stop it. Stop acting out of fear and insecurity. But that's what 9-11 did to us. And continues to do. We act like an abused child. And there is no reason for it. 
So, we cannot act out of our fears. We cannot act out of our insecurities. We have to know who we are as the children of God. When you know who you are and have that security in, in, your, in your position in God, you can act in strength. Then, as the prayer says, as the, as the Amidah prayer says, make my soul like dust to everyone, because it won't matter, because you are God, and you will lift me up. And finally, this last portion. We see this story in the book of Acts, right? There's a man, Ananias, with his wife. They have a piece of property, which they obviously pledged to the early community of faith. They said, we're going to sell the property, and whatever proceeds we make from this, we are going to give to the Lord. That was the agreement that they made. On the other hand, maybe they made a killing on this property. I don't know. It doesn't tell us how the, how the deal went down, you know? Maybe the property was worth a whole lot more money than they thought they were going to get for it originally. And they looked at the number and they said, ah, you know what? I think we'll, you know, we'll pocket a little bit. When we act out of our greed, out of self-interest, we, we are going to make a bad decision. Now, I know that's counterintuitive to the capitalist way of thinking, baby. Because capitalism is first and foremost about self-interest. Oh, I'm on, my, I'm on my rant today. I can see that. On my rant. But naked capitalism is about pure and unadulterated self-interest. And when we act in that capacity, we do more harm than good. And that's what we see happening right here. Look what Peter tells me. He says, listen, <laughs> what, what, what's your problem? While, the, while it remained unsold, it was yours. You could do whatever you want with it. And after it was sold, you didn't have to do anything with the money. You didn't have to pledge the money. It was all yours. But once you made that promise, it was not yours anymore. So you're stealing. So you're stealing. And when we act out of, out of self-interest in this way, we're ultimately going to make a decision which is going to have consequences down the road. Maybe, you know, listen, maybe we don't even see it. But I believe, this is my belief. You can yell at me, scream at me, send me email letters, I don't care. We act totally on the virtue of self-interest in this land. You know, you know, we talk about charity in this land. I, I'm going to tell you what, if it wasn't for the, most, for the for religion in this world, in this, in this country, half the hospitals that exist would not exist. If it wasn't for the people who, are, you know, religiously minded people who care for their neighbors, a whole lot more people would not be being fed. I know that just locally. So I can only imagine what it's like around the country. Why? Because self-interest. How does that movie state it? Greed is good. 
Greed is good. No, it's not. No, it is not. And because we've acted in this greedy fashion in this land, we have, you know, why should in a country, somebody answer the question for me, why in a country which has been the richest country in the history of the world have 25% of its children go to bed hungry every day? I'm sorry, that's wrong. It's crazy. Why do we have one of the worst birth rates, birth survival rates, in, in, in all of the civilized nations of the, of the world? Another statistic that just blows my, blows my mind. Are you kidding me? We have, don't, don't we have the best hospitals in the world? Don't we have the best doctors in the world? Don't we have the best health information in the world? So why? Why do, why do those things happen? I'm going to leave it to your imagination. I'm not, a, I'm not an economist. I just know it's not right. And I know one thing that has something to do with greed. It has to do with unfulfilled promises. So what are we going to do? Now that I've been ranting, what do we do? Let's reverse it, right? When we have to make a decision, we seek the Lord first. We can cut Moses a slack. I would like to cut Moses slack, you know, because Moses was so great. But even Moses needed to consult with the Lord before he did what he did, because he did not honor the Lord. So when we get, we don't make our decisions based on emotion. We don't make our decisions out of our inadequacy. Never do that. We need not be inadequate. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all who believe in him might have life eternal. God thinks the most of us. And he wants the most for us. So wherever you're coming from in that inadequacy thing, try to leave it behind in the Lord. And I'm going to give you something else, that last one. Never act out of greed. Live your life with an open hand. And when you do, God will fill your hand with everything that you need. Never act out of fear or inadequacy or greed. And if we do, we will live in the blessing of God.